Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We know the Bible is what defines for us what the truth is. John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So we're sanctified by the truth. The word is the truth, the word of God, the Bible defines for us what the truth is. John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So only the word can sanctify us. Only the truth can sanctify us. Only the truth can set us free from sin. And it's the word that defines for us what the truth is. You know, uh, I've used this illustration quite frequently. If you want to play baseball, you have to use the baseball rule book. As a matter of fact, if you're not using the baseball rule book, you're not really playing baseball. Now, what is the rule book for Christianity? What's the Bible, isn't it? That's what we just seen from John 17, 17 and John 8, 32. But many are not following the rule book for Christianity. They're not really following the Bible. Therefore, they're not really practicing Christianity. You know, along those lines, the Bible teaches it matters what we believe, teach, and practice. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 9, But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now, these religious leaders were teaching the commandments of men as doctrine. They should have been teaching the commandments of God. But because they were teaching the commandments of men, it says their worship was in vain. Even if their worship was done, even if they were doing the right things in worship, their worship would still be be vain if their teaching the commandments of men instead of the commandments of God. So our worship of God can be in vain, useless or worthless. You can't go to heaven that way. Second John verse 9 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So you have to abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ to have God. We know a person can't be saved without God. The only way a person can be saved is through the grace and mercy of God. So if we're not teaching the commandments of God, instead we're teaching the commandments of men, if we're not abiding in the teaching of Christ, we're not going to be saved. You see how it matters what we believe and practice in religion? It's not enough just to say, I'm sincere. I worship God or I believe in God. You have to do what God says and you have to follow his teachings. For example, and this comes up quite a bit on our radio program. The Bible teaches that a person, a sinner, has to be baptized to be saved. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So it takes both belief and and baptism to be saved from our sins. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter told some believers, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So it takes both repentance and baptism in order to receive the remission of sins based upon the blood of Christ. In Acts 22, verse 16, Ananias told Saul, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now we're all agreed that the blood of Christ is what washes away our sins. The question is, are they washed away by the blood of Christ when we believe or when we're baptized? Well, what happened with Saul? He believed on the road to Damascus when Jesus miraculously appeared to him. But at least three days later, he's told to do something. He's told to be baptized. 
in order to get his sins washed away. So his sins were not washed away when he believed. They were washed away when he was baptized. And then 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism doth also now save us. Now, I don't think God would say baptism saves us if you didn't have to be baptized to be saved. You do have to be baptized to be saved. This verse is not saying baptism is the grounds or the earning basis for your salvation. No, the death of Christ is that. What this verse is saying when it says baptism saves you is that baptism is an essential condition. You have to meet, just like belief, just like repentance, an essential condition you have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. This is one of the things that matters. Remember, we were pointing out from Matthew 15, verse 9, that if we teach the commandments of men, our worship is in vain. And 2 John, verse 9, if we don't abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ, we don't have God, we can't be saved. It matters what we believe, what we teach, what we practice in religion. And one thing that matters is you have to teach that baptism is required for salvation. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 is the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. Baptism is required for salvation. We just read that from four different passages. And some people might say, well, what difference does it make? Well, we've just read some passages that show that it matters. Secondly, after a person gets baptized, after he becomes a Christian, it matters that whether or not he lives faithfully after he becomes a Christian. There are a lot of passages in the Bible that teach against this idea of once saved, always saved. Let me read to you James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So this is talking about brethren who wonder who or err from the truth. Our responsibility is to try to convert him back. If we're able to convert him back, we save their soul from death. What does that imply if they refuse to be converted back? A brother in Christ who wanders from the truth, he leaves the truth, he refuses to be converted back, it says his soul will die, he'll be lost. This idea of once saved, always saved, then is proven to be false. Christians must live faithfully to be saved, and that's something that matters because the Bible teaches it, and if the Bible teaches it, it matters. Let me read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, which is written to Christians. It says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So here's a person that's become a Christian, or it 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 still says... If he's a fornicator or an idolater, an adulterer or a homosexual or a thief or a drunkard, that he will not inherit the kingdom of God. So a person who becomes a Christian has to live faithfully as a Christian in order to be saved. And that's a point that matters a great deal because the Bible teaches that you have to live faithfully to be saved as a Christian. And those who are teaching once saved, always saved, 
are in effect encouraging immorality because what are people going to do if you teach them they can do anything they want to, live any old way they want to and still be saved? They're going to live any old way they want to. They're not going to live the, the lifestyle that Jesus requires. Bob, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I've been listening to you about a year now, coming back home. You see, like the only that. thing you want to harp, the only thing you want to harp about is baptism, 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 baptism. If the blood of Jesus Christ cannot save your soul when you put your faith and confidence and trust in Him, nothing can save you. If baptism could save you, why not just get baptized and forget about it? I'm sorry, sir, but you are 100% wrong. And you also say that we teach that once saved, always saved. Then you can do anything you want to. That is so wrong for you to teach that. Once you're saved, you're going to want to serve Jesus. You're going to want to obey him. You're going to want to live for him. And you're not going to just go out and live in your way and say, well, I'm saved. I'm living in your way I want to now. You explain that wrong. Every time you try to explain that about being once saved, always saved. Thank you. Thank you for your call, Bob. You know, the, uh, the, we're not saying when we say a person has to be baptized to be saved that baptism saves us in the sense that it's the grounds of the earning basis. No, what we're saying is that you have to be baptized as a condition of salvation, just like a person would teach that you got to believe in order to be saved. Nicholas, are you already on the line? Nicholas from Missouri, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Let me try, yeah, let me try so, this. Um, it, the, the baptism, okay, I guess I misunderstood your question. I thought that you were saying that somebody had to be baptized to be saved rather than baptized being, uh, to be baptized that it's a condition of your salvation. So, so I, I guess I agree with you on that. Well, I thought those two things were the same thing, Nicholas. You have to be baptized to be saved is the same as saying baptism is a condition of salvation. I meant those to be the same thing. In other words, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. So right. belief so, is not enough. You also have to be baptized. Does that so make sense, Nicholas? Be baptized by the Holy Spirit or baptized by submersion in water? Well, which one is it talking about in the Great Commission? Holy Spirit baptism or water baptism? Well, I believe that John the Baptist baptized with water, and but he said the one that comes after me, who's actually before me, baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission is talking about water baptism. I read earlier, Nicholas, 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. Let's see if we can tell if that's talking about Holy Spirit baptism or water baptism. It says, verse 20 and 21, and appreciate your call, Nicholas, it says, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The, right, the like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the, rex, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Nicholas, that's the verse I quoted a while ago. That says baptism saves us. Can you tell if it's talking about water baptism or Holy Spirit baptism there? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I see, I see where you're where you, where you're coming at with with that verse. Um, what 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 makes me wonder about about this question is 
you know, whenever I'm reading the gospel and there's the two men on each side of Jesus on the cross, and one of them, he said, today you'll see paradise. And and that was, that, that man was saying that, will you not, will, will you remember me when you go to your kingdom? Um, the other one said something along the lines of, Nicholas, let me talk about that. Let's talk about the Nicholas, Nicholas. Let's talk about the thief on the cross. What law did the thief on the cross live under? The Old Testament law or the New Testament law? You know? What law did the when did the Old Testament law cease to be binding? Didn't doesn't Colossians two verse fourteen say that he blotted out this law, took it out of the way, and nailed it to the cross? So Jesus the law, the Old Testament law was still binding until the death of Christ. Hebrews 9, 15 through 17 says the New Testament law did not come into effect until after the death of the testator, Jesus Christ. So what I'm suggesting, Nicholas, is the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized for the same reason that Adam and Eve weren't baptized. Noah wasn't baptized. Moses wasn't baptized. Abraham wasn't baptized. Nicholas, their law didn't require baptism. You can't read about water baptism anywhere in the Old Testament. Do you follow my point, Nicholas? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I follow, I follow your point. Now, let me ask you one other question. In Acts 2, 22, 16, I, I mentioned this also. Ananias was sent to Saul. Saul had believed on the road to Damascus three days earlier. Ananias is sent to Saul to tell him what to do. And in Acts 22, 16, he says, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Which baptism is that talking about, Nicholas? Water baptism or Holy Spirit baptism? Well, I'm, I'm, I, I believe that the blood of Christ is what washes away our sins, correct? Right. But the question is, in the case of Saul, were his sins washed away by the blood of Christ when he believed on the road to Damascus or three days later when Ananias told him to be baptized to get his sins washed away? When were his sins washed away by the blood of Christ? That's the question. Can you tell from Acts twenty two sixteen, Nicholas? Let me read that again. This is at least three, this is at least three okay. days after Saul believed in Christ. He says, Ananias tells him, "Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord." That's Acts twenty two sixteen. Can you tell when Saul's sins were washed away by the blood of Christ? When he believed or when he was baptized? Nicholas, well, I, I appreciate your call. Okay, Nicholas, I appreciate your call, okay? Thank you so much. William from Colorado, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, how you doing, Patrick? Uh, we all know that Jesus said he would never leave us nor forsake us. But in Revelation 3, 5, it says that if we do not endure until the end, he will blot our names out of the book of life. So what's that contradiction? Okay. You're right in Hebrews, Jesus said he'll never forsake us, but Revelation 3, verse 5, it says, He that overcometh, I will not blot his name out of the book of life, which implies that if you don't overcome temptation, if you don't overcome per persecution, your name will be blotted out of the book of life. And you're saying, how do we resolve that but, contradiction, right? Yes, but there is no, there is no provision for that in Hebrews. He said that... If, if you do this, I won't leave you if you do that. Well, let so, me read to you, William, let me read to you another passage. Second Chronicles 15, verse 2. It says, and I'm reading the second part of the verse here. 
Second Chronicles 15, verse 2, it says, The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So Hebrews said God will never will never forsake us. Second Chronicles 15, 2 says if we forsake God, he will forsake us. So how can both of those passages be true? There, I'm sure you agree because that's the point of your question. There's no contradiction in the Bible. Yeah. How can both of those verses be true? And I'll suggest to you it's this way. The only way both of them but can it, be true is is that the verse but, in but Hebrews you, Go ahead, William, I'm sorry. Okay, but if you put that with Hebrews, he will never leave us nor forsake us, that's a contradiction. All right, it looks like a contradiction on the surface, but we know the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And so what I'm saying is, William, there's only one way that both of those verses can be true. And that is Hebrews is saying, God will never forsake us as long as we remain faithful to him. Second Chronicles 15.2 is saying, though, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Second Chronicles 15.2 says, the Lord is with you while you be with him. Well, the implication okay. is that if you're not with him, he's not going to be with you anymore. You see, if we put okay, all the Bible so together, go ahead, William. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So, okay, so you're saying that uh, the word is the word of God is full of stipulations. Well, I, I didn't really put it that way, but I will say this: salvation is conditional. If that's really what you mean by that, remember Jesus said, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." So, salvation from sin, there is conditioned. If you want to call that a stipulation. It's conditioned upon belief and baptism. And then after a person becomes a Christian, Revelation 2.10 says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So yes, you have to be faithful unto death to receive the crown of life. Yes, salvation is conditional. I mean, almost every believer I know say it's conditioned upon belief. Why, why would we have a problem with it also being conditioned upon obedience? That's all we're saying. It's not It's not just conditioned upon belief. It's also conditioned upon obedience. Doesn't that famous, my favorite hymn says, trust and obey. That hymn's teaching the truth. It takes trust oh, yes. and obedience. Go oh, ahead, yeah. William. I, go ahead, William. I appreciate your call. Go ahead. Well I, well, I appreciate all this, and, you know, and I understand where you're coming from, but it just sounds like, you know, that you're putting all of, this, all of these different stipulations upon what Jesus said. Like, I will never leave you nor forsake you if you do this. Well, what does Second Chronicles 15, 2 mean when it says, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you? What does that mean, William? Well, if I forsake, that, that means the way you're reading it, it means that if I forsake him, he will forsake me. Yeah, I'm not asking the way I'm reading it. I'm asking how God said it. What does it mean? Here, here's a passage that's, in the New Testament that well, says about the well, same that's thing. that's exactly what it means. Yeah, here's, here's 2 Timothy 2, verse 12. It's talking about God. It says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. Right. So so when it says the Bible, when God says he'll, he won't forsake us, he's not talking about somebody that forsakes him, somebody that denies him. He's talking about somebody that doesn't deny him, that doesn't forsake God. If we, right. if we trust and obey God, He'll never forsake us. But if we forsake him, if he if we deny him, the Bible says he will forsake us. He will deny us. Yeah, I mean, but a true true believer will will never forsake Christ. Well, is that you think 
Do you have a verse that says anything like that? A true believer will never forsake Christ? No, I do not. But Well, I want you to consider this passage, but does, William. No, but does, doesn't that stand to reason? No, I want, to, I want you to consider this passage. It doesn't stand to reason because a true believer does not become a robot. He doesn't lose his free, free will. Now, here's Hebrews 3, verse 1. Let, well, hear me out, William. Hebrews sure. 3, 1 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high Christ Jesus. Now, I suggest to you, William, that's got to be talking. The writer's got to be talking to Christians because he calls them brethren. He not only calls them brethren, he says holy brethren, which is the same Greek word as sanctified, meaning cleansed. They're partakers of the heavenly calling. Only a Christian has partaken of the heavenly calling. Right, William? Right. All right. Now, verse 12, I don't know if you have your Bible open, but verse 12, no, talking, right, to, right now. talking to these same people, he says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So God is warning these brethren, they're clearly Christians, they're holy brethren, they have partaken of the heavenly calling, they're not pretenders, they're true Christians. He's warning them against developing an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Now, William, in Colorado, are there any road signs that say, beware of sharks? <laughs> no. No. There, I've, there's, heard, I've heard that many times. There, there's none in North Alabama either. But if you drive five and a half hours south of here to Mobile to Gulf Shores, you might see a sign like that. The point is, we don't bother to warn people about things if it's impossible for it to happen. Now, here we have in Hebrews 3.12, he's clearly talking to true believers, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, and he warns them against developing an evil heart of unbelief and departing from God. Why would God warn these believers from changing back to unbelief and departing from God, William, if that were impossible? Why would he warn them against it if it were impossible? He wouldn't, would he? No, I I don't believe so. No. So so what we need to do when we're taking doing Bible study is we need to realize the Bible does not contradict itself. Everything the Bible says is true. Let me give an example. One place well, yeah, says I know this. One place it says it's a shame for women to speak in the church, first Corinthians fourteen, thirty four and thirty five. Another place says women prophesy. How can both of those be true? How can there be no contradiction? Well, it's simple. The women prophesied, but they didn't prophesy in church. Do you see how we resolve the what's apparently a contradiction to some people? They think of it as a contradiction, but it's not really a contradiction when you figure out how both of those passages can be true, William. A woman can prophesy, but not in the church. Do you Understood. see how we did that, William? Yes. It's the same way with salvation. When we look at a passage like John 3.16 that teaches you have to believe in order to be saved, don't insert into that passage because it's not there, belief only. Because if you insert belief only, then it's going to contradict Mark 16, 16, where Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. When we look at both passages, John 3, 16 says you've got to believe to be saved. Mark 16, 16 says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. How can both of those be right? They both can be right as long as you don't insert the word only into John 3, 16. It's not there. As a matter of fact, James 2, right. 24 says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So right. salvation, justification is not by faith only, works enter into. 
Are we saying that works is the ground or the earning basis of our salvation? No. The blood of Christ, the death of Christ is. Trust and obedience are just conditions we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. Does that make sense, William? Yes, it does. Well, I can see you're running out of time, Patrick. I'm going to let you go. God God bless you. Thank you for your call, William. Appreciate it. Yeah, we have less than a minute left. So uh, Herb is waiting on the line. Herb, we'll have to talk to you some other time. Thank you for your call. Uh, Let me mention before we go off the air about the free one-hour phone Bible study that I offer. I'm willing to study with you for free at your convenience over the phone because we're not likely to live in the same town anyway. If you would like that free one-hour phone Bible study, call or text me at 256-682-9753. We'll work out a time that you can do it, morning, afternoon, or evening. The number to call or text if you want that free one-hour phone Bible study is 256-682-9753. Be sure and listen to Bible Crossfire next week at this same time. 